If you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 22 and 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. And so this morning, in a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. And so I, I just wanted to talk to you this morning and kind of ask the question, answer the question, what is communion? Uh, there's a lot of us that we can come from different faith backgrounds and, and maybe we have different traditions and you've never heard what Fellowship of the Rockies believes or, or what takes place in, in, in this time. And, and maybe some of you are like me. I came to faith in Christ in my 20s. And, um, and nobody ever explained to me what communion was. I, I really did not understand it. I, I didn't understand the depths of it. I didn't understand the meaning of it. And it was just something I did. It was a ritual. It was a routine that I did. And so when you, when you look at different churches and you look at different traditions, uh, people, people will, will um, celebrate communion different ways. Uh, one of my favorite ways, I'll tell you about just real quickly, one of my favorite ways is uh, we were on, on our unique ways. Uh, we were on vacation. We're in Daytona, Daytona Beach with, with our family. Our girls are young. And so the hotel where we were staying across the street from the hotel was, uh, was a church. Uh, it was a drive-in movie theater. Uh, they had bought a drive-in movie, movie theater. They would turned it into church. And I'm like, that's where we're doing church tomorrow. I says, I got to see how this whole deal goes down. I said, and so we loaded up in the car the next day that morning. Uh, we went in and and so we went to the like like the the first part where the you know where you normally you'd buy your ticket you didn't have to buy anything and so uh we pulled up and so they said do you want to listen to the the service on your on your fn fm dial or would you like a speaker they actually would give just like a movie theater and now uh, we'll listen to it on the fm dial and then they say would you like to participate in communion i thought would you guys do communion they go yes i says we are all in we want to do communion so they gave us little self-serve cups, and so we put those in the car. Uh, we went, and we took our place, and, we're, and so the worship team came out, and they stood on top of the concession stand, and they led worship from there. And so it was like awesome. And then I learned this. Instead of, if you've ever wanted to know how do you celebrate or clap at a movie theater, that's what your horn's for. So someone would sing a solo, uh, and so then instead of clapping, People would, you know, and then everybody's honking. And so, you know, I'm so proud of myself. One time I led the honking. I says, you know what? This next song, I'm going to lead them. I'm going to lead this deal. And so instead of saying amen, you would honk your horn. And so, you know, the pastor got up and he preached. And so they came and, and, and then they didn't come. But then we, we took communion together. Um, and then they even had, they even had a prayer response. Like we have a walk down prayer response. They had a drive down prayer response. And so, yeah, and so if you needed prayer, you just drove your car down, and there was these guys that would go car to car, and they would, like, they would like pray for you. And so that, that, that's, that's, that's a tradition, and that, that was their tradition in, in their context. Um, I was in Beattlestock, Poland, and so I did mission work in Beattlestock, Poland, and, and so I flew into Warsaw, and then I drove to Beattlestock. This was five years after the Chernobyl fallout. So it was, really, it was really horrible circumstances because uh, the government had lied to the people there in Poland, and they told them that there, were, there was no, no radiation in their, in their vegetables, their food, and so it was safe to eat. And so all the children, five years and younger, had all kinds of horrible stomach issues, whether stomach cancer, whether stomach issues, and a result of that. And so there, when, when we took communion there, um, they practiced one cup. Uh, I don't know if you've been in a, in a faith background that has done that, but to where you all drink from the same cup. 
Aren't you glad we don't do that? And so I wasn't aware of that, and so, uh, so you know what? I was like 15 or 20 in line, and so you know what? That next time we took communion together, I made sure I was number one. I, <laughs> I got on the front row and let them deal with everything else that's floating or whatever. That, that can be their deal. And so they had, they had their faith tradition. And so when we were in Bialystok, Poland, we had a missionary that was with us, and he said, he says, I have an invitation to go into Russia in that time. In that time, um, Christianity was illegal in Russia. And he says, I'm going to go into Russia, and I'm going to go into an underground church, um, and, and I'm going to preach there. Anybody want to go with me? Uh, and you, you could, could uh, you know, uh, if it made public, someone could be thrown in jail, and so people are worshiping. I don't know if you've ever been a part of an underground church or seen an under, underground church. But when, when we took communion in the basement of a, of a, of a building there in, in, well, it was in Russia, when we took communion together there, it was totally different the way they took communion. They had all gathered with, with the fear of being thrown in jail. They had all gathered with the fear of, of maybe being put to death, of being persecuted. And all of a sudden, when they took the juice and when they, when they took the bread, they took, they took it totally different than what we do. Unbelievable joy. They took it differently, too, because they understood we're, we're a family. We're all we got. Communion is about this issue about reminding us that, you know what, we're a family. You know what, we're a faith family. And that's, and that's what I want to talk to you this morning before we take communion. I, I'm, I'm praying that God does something really unique in your life today. I'm praying that, that communion is that time that there's more of an awareness of the presence of God. And maybe you've come here this morning and, and you're asking God for something. You're asking for wisdom. You're asking God to do something in your life. You're asking God to speak to you in a special way. And I'm praying, I'm praying that you take communion with a different mindset today. And so, so just, just, just a little bit of history about Fellowship of the Rockies. There, there's two ordinances that we practice. We practice the ordinance of baptism and then the ordinance of, of communion baptism is like your first step into the Christian life. Uh, baptism is not like optional for the believers. It's a command of Jesus that, that once, you, once you have met him, that you follow him in believer's baptism. Um, I, I personally have been baptized twice. Uh, maybe some of you in here have been baptized twice, but that's, that's my background. And so it's, it's a first step. Once you meet Christ, that you follow him in believer's baptism. I've told you that baptism a lot of times is like the wedding ceremony of the Christian's life. It's, it's a ceremony when you make your love and your commitment public to, to Christ uh, for the very first time. And then if, if baptism is like, is like the wedding ceremony of the Christian life, then communion is like the wedding anniversary of the Christian life. In other words, it's a remembrance of what Christ has done. It's a remembrance of, of what you have done in obedience to him. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, Luke chapter 22. I'm going to read all the way through it. This is Jesus' instructions. This is the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper. So maybe you've come out of backgrounds where you've heard uh, this time talked about, whether it's communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, uh, a fellowship meal. Uh, all of those kind of explain the same thing, okay? And so here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, or the account of Jesus, and starting in verse 7. He says, then, the, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, 
Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room? And where may I eat the Passover? With my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and they found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given things he broke it and he gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after he had eaten saying, This cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. But behold the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the son of man goes as it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going to do this. And then Paul takes these words and he gives instructions into the local church about how this time is to be administered. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Here's what Paul says. He said, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the, betterment, for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are many divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. But when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we're judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together and eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So then, when you come together, it will not be for judgment. And the other things I will give directions when I come. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We just thank you for this time. And Father, I just ask you just help us to understand communion uh, from a biblical perspective and from your perspective. Father, may we understand that, that, we're, that we're a family. Father, may we understand that, 
that when we examine ourselves, we examine ourselves and not anybody else. Our actions, our words, how we fit into the family, how we fit into this body. And so, Father, I just ask in the moments that we have together and as we take communion in a few minutes, Father, that you would help us to understand the meaning of this time. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you look at communion, you realize that it's reserved for believers. And when you look at communion, Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room. It was the disciples. It was the apostles. It was all believers. Acts chapter 2. When you look at communion again, it was for believers. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. uh, He's talking in the context of believers. So, So communion is reserved for believers. Communion is reserved for people who know Christ. Um, who, who follow him, uh, who are called his. And so communion, because if baptism is like the wedding ceremony, then communion is like this wedding anniversary to where you, to where you remember. Two different times Jesus says very strongly, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. So listen, it, it is reserved for believers. The qualifications of, of communion is simply this, that, that you're a believer, not church membership. I know some of you may have come out of church backgrounds to where it, where it was, what was called like closed communion, to where you had to be a member of that church only. That is not what we believe. We do not believe Scripture teaches that. Fact is, what we believe is what Scripture teaches is this, is that the qualification for taking communion is that you're a follower of Christ. And so we're the, we're the body of Christ. And so Scripture talks about this issue. The fact is, it, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, The cup of the blessing that we bless, is, not, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, so he starts talking about this issue of unity. And we who are many are one body, for we are all, all partake of the, of the one bread. So believers take communion because our faith is what we have in, in, in connection with one another. That's what brings unity. So Paul is talking about un- unity. He's talking about this one bread, that we're a family, that we're together, that there's unity. And, and, and so as a result of that, communion is like, an, it's like remembrance of what Christ has done for us. It's the bread and the juice are symbolic. It's a reminder to us of his, of his, of his body and of his blood. Uh, we do not believe that, that the, the bread magically becomes the body of Christ and the, and the juice magically becomes the, the blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, that you are observing. In other words, it's symbolic of what Christ has done for us. If you view it that way, then all of a sudden communion for you, you're receiving something. You're receiving forgiveness. The way that you view communion or the way that you view salvation affects everything. And so you're not receiving anything. This is, this is an observation of what Christ has done for us because Scripture says that salvation is not by work so that no man can boast. And so it's a celebration of what Christ is, has, has done for us. So I want to give you four things about communion, that when we take communion, that, that, that the four reasons that we celebrate, and then we're going to take communion together. The first thing is this. It's a time of remembrance. Communion is a communion is a time of, of remembrance. First Corinthians eleven twenty four says, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you, which is for you. Do this in, in remembrance of me. In other words, this is what Jesus stressed over and over. Do this in remembrance of me. The, the foundation of communion is remembering what Christ has done for you. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I when I take communion, I I, I remember. 
I remember what my life was like before Christ. I remember how I met Christ. I remember the people that witnessed to me, the people that invited me to church. I remember the day that in church that I accepted Christ, I was baptized. I mean, I, 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 I remember, listen, I remember times in my life that Christ was with me when he answered some prayers, when he led me, when, all, all of those things. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you, when you come to this place, and do this, and do this in, in remembrance of me. It's a lot like a wedding anniversary, right? Isn't, isn't part of, of a wedding anniversary, those of you who are married, isn't it a part when you, you remember? Uh, you remember when you met, you remember your dating years, you, you remember life, raising children, however long you've been married. Here a while back, I, w- I did a, a, uh, a renew your vows ceremony, and that was a, that was a part of it where they just, they just, they, they, they remembered. And so Jesus is talking about here that, that we, we remember. Uh, we remember when we take the, the bread and we take the juice that it's, we have forgiveness of sin because of what he did for us on the cross. We remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ that was offered to us. We remember because of that that we're totally and completely forgiven. We're deeply loved in him. We're perfect and complete and we're lacking nothing. Man, we remember that, that point in history when Jesus was beaten and, 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 and tortured and insulted and he was nailed to a cross and, and he had a real body and he, he had real blood and, and, and it flowed out on the cross for forgiveness of sin. And this is, this is the same as, as Passover. And, and Passover, they, they had a meal to, to remember this. And, and Jesus says that in the, in the blood and in the, in the juice is, is, the, is the new covenant. So it's a, time that, it's a time that we remember. It's also the second thing is it's a time of reflection. Man, it, 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 is a time of, it is a time of reflection. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so eat the, the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. In other words, what he's saying is that this shouldn't be something that's routine. In other words, this should be a spiritual moment to where we examine our lives. And, and actually, part of that examining your lives was not only personal sin, but attitude and actions and things that we've done and, and asking him, is there anything in my life that I should change? Is there anything in my life that should go? Is there an attitude, a word, an, a behavior, an action? But it also was deeper than that. We also examined ourselves as how do we fit into the body? And this is Paul's problem in first. Corinthians chapter 11 this is his problem with the Corinthian church he was like he like you guys don't care about one another and you don't you don't love one another you don't accept one another you don't you don't care for one another and he says as a result of that is a result of that there's division among you in other words to realize that you know what we're a family man we're we're in this together uh, we have relationships with, with, one of, with, with one another. And so where we come to that place to where we just, we look at our life. First John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, we come to that place and there's a, there's a time of reflection. There's a time of remembrance. There's a time of reflection to where we begin reflecting on the things that Christ has done for us. We reflect on our lives, our behaviors, our actions. 
The third thing is this, the reason that we celebrate, it's a, it's a time of renewal. It's a time of renewal. It's a time when we renew our commitment to Christ. We recommit to him. Sometimes we, we need to be, be reminded of what Christ has done for us. When I, when I was invited to do this 50 uh, anniversary, uh, at a 50th wedding anniversary, uh, renew your vows, part of, part of the ceremony is the couple that I did it for, they, they had their kids there, they had their grandkids there, uh, they, had, they, had a, they had their life group there, they had a lot of family and friends there, and so they gathered around, and part of it, they, they wanted, they wanted to, to develop their own vows, and so I sat there and watched this, this elderly couple who had been married like, like 50 years, I, I listened to them remember, I listened to them reflect, and they began talking about marriage. And they began talking about the good times of marriage, the difficult times of marriage. They've been talking about the marriage when they both wanted to kind of leave and those whole deals, and they deepened in their marriage. And, and they, started, they started remembering those things. And I sat there and looked around the room, and, and, I mean, it was encouraging to their kids. It was encouraging to their grandkids. It was encouraging to their life group. And then all of a sudden, they moved into this time where they, they, re, they, they renewed their vows to one another. This is what communion is. Communion is this thing in the, in, in the sight of family and friends and relationships and people that we do life with and people that we do church with. We, we, we remember. We remember what it was like to meet him. We remember what it's like to walk with him. We remember those good times and those bad times. We remember when Christ walked with us, when everybody else walked away. And all of a sudden that causes us to, to renew our, our commitment. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, he said, because there is one bread... We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the of the one of the of the one bread. In other words, he said, he said we're we're family. In other words, there's nothing that should divide us. There there's socially, economically, ethically, uh, there is there there is nothing that should divide us. And communion is this is this picture that that we're family and we serve one another. Do you do you realize part of the communion that we do here at Fellowship of the Rockies when we pass the plate? Do you realize you, someone is serving you and you're serving someone else? That's part of the picture of communion, that we, we serve one another. We're in relationship with one another. And so Paul was talking about in Corinthians that communion is this time. It's this picture that we serve the body of Christ. We serve, we serve, one, a, that we, we, we serve, we serve one another and we have re, relationships with one another. The last thing is this, the reason that we, that we celebrate communion, it's a, it's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of rejoicing. So many times when, when we take communion, it, it, can be, it can be somber and it can be serious, but, but really and truly, communion should bring us to a time of worship. It should bring us to a time of rejoicing. It should bring us to a time when we, when we understand what Christ has done for us. I'm telling you, when I, when I was in that underground church, it was communion for them. It was a time of rejoicing. It was a time of celebration that they understood that Christ was everything to them because of the world that they lived in, because of the persecution that they lived in. And it was a time of deep celebration. Corinthians tells us in eleven twenty-six. it says, For as often as you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he, until he comes. In other words, in other words, it's this issue that it's, it's this... It's not, only, it's not only a backward look, but it's also a forward look. 
communion is not only a backward look to where we remember and we reflect and how we met him and how he's walked with us, but it's also a forward look to heaven. It's also a forward look to heaven when we'll be reunited with loved ones who have gone before us. It, 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 it is also a forward look to when we'll take communion together uh, with Christ in, in, in heaven. It's this, it's this celebration, one of, the, one of the most interesting and um, spiritual deep communion that I've ever taken part in was in 2008, Karen and I took a group to, from our church to Israel. And so on the, the, on the final leg of, 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 of our trip in Israel, uh, we went to the upper room. We went to the place where Jesus gathered the, the apostles together on the night before he was betrayed. Uh, we went into that room. Uh, we actually read those scriptures there. We talked about it there. From there, we followed the steps of Jesus. Uh, we went from there to where we went to where they, they threw him in prison to the, the cell, the dungeon. Uh, we turned the lights off so that we could see how dark it was. Uh, we read scripture there. We read an account there. Then we followed the steps of Jesus to the cross. Uh, we went to the place and we actually saw the, the tile, and in case you're wondering, it's still there. The tile that, that it was a Roman game, it was a gambling game. Remember when they, they gambled over Jesus' clothes? And, and so we actually, we actually stood around that, we touched it, we looked at it. Uh, we went to Golgotha, we went to the, the point of the cross. From there we, we went to the, the empty tomb. The actual tomb of Jesus, we, we went in, we took turns, and you could go as couples, individuals. We went into the, the empty tomb. We saw the, the gutter, the rail where the stone was rolled away. And so we went into the tomb. We had as long in the tomb as we wanted. And so we, we told everybody, when you come out of the garden tomb, then you go over to this area, and we're going to take communion together. And we went off to the side, and... And we weren't the only group in there, and so we started, we started taking communion, but it all, it all become really real to us. And the rejoicing in the celebration of what Christ has done for us when we walked his steps, when, he, when we saw those things, it also gave us a picture of heaven when there was three different groups, and uh, there, was, there was a group from China over here, uh, there was a group from, from Mexico over here, and we could hear them singing Amazing Grace in Chinese and in Spanish, and then we're singing it in, 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 in English, and we're thinking, this is, this is the picture of heaven. This is what heaven's going to be like. I mean, all these different English uh, languages and all these different tribes of people and all these different backgrounds. Man, com listen, communion. Communion is a time of rejoicing. Communion is a time of celebrating of, of what Christ has, has, has done for us. I think sometimes it's so hard for us to understand what Christ has done for us. Communion is that time that we come together as a church family and we just remember. We remember that he went to the cross on our behalf. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our sin on him. And he walked that path. He was tortured. He was beaten. He was nailed to a cross. He spilled his blood on our behalf. And because of that, we can have forgiveness of sin. Communion is reserved for believers. And if you're here this morning and you, listen, you have never accepted him, this would be a wonderful time for you just to accept him right where you are. Just pray a simple prayer and ask him to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. 
so that you could participate in communion as a believer. Our servers and our ushers are going to make their way to the back as we get ready to, to take communion together as a church family. The scripture teaches that no one should enter into this time lightly, but we should, we should understand what this, what this time means. This time means of a time of remembering what Christ has done for us, reflecting on, on our life. And sometimes it's renewing our commitment to him. And then it's a time of worship. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of celebration. As our servers begin to pass the, the plates, there's two cups, one on top of the other. And you'll just take both cups off, hold them there in place, serve the person next to you as you hand them the plate. And then would you just sit before him and examine your life? Maybe you want to walk through these steps. Maybe you want to thank him for what he's done for you in your life. And then in just a few minutes, we'll take of the bread and we'll take of the juice together as a church family. In Exodus chapter 34, Jesus, or, or God, I'm sorry, God explains to us who he is. In Exodus chapter 34, just before we take communion together, maybe this will be just a great reminder. He says this, he says, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger, and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, I forgive rebellion, and I forgive sin. I am an unfailing God. I love you. Isn't that wonderful that to, re to be reminded that before we take communion, that he is a faithful God. And he forgives sin, he forgives rebellion, he forgives iniquity. You know, I'm reminded when we take communion together, how diverse our church is. And I am so thankful for that. Fact is, in, 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 in the book of Romans, when, when the Greeks and the Gentiles took communion together and Samaritans, the world looked into the church and said, what? Jews and Greeks can worship alongside of one another with Samaritans? And, and it was like the picture of the kingdom of God. And so I'm so thankful that our church is just is so diverse. We don't all look alike, right? We come from different backgrounds. We, we cheer for different football teams, right? And so we have Bronco fans, and unfortunately we have Steeler fans and Patriot fans and not enough Cowboy fans. And, and, somehow, we, and somehow we lay all that aside, even though we wear our jerseys, we, we still lay that aside and we worship side by side. We come from different racial backgrounds, right? Uh, we come from different economic backgrounds. We come from different areas of, of the state and, and in some parts of the world. And, and yet we come together and we worship together and we worship together as one. Communion is about this issue of just the body of Christ coming together and worshiping. And so the scripture teaches that before we take of the bread and we take of the juice, that we should, we should examine our lives. We should ex examine how we fit into the body, our words, our actions, and the things that we say and do. And so I thought, normally I pray for you. I pray at this time. I thought today, since we understand communion, maybe we should handle it just a little bit differently today. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity just to pray silently to yourself. And maybe today you just simply want to bow your head and just remember Remember what Christ has done for you. 
remember how you met him, what your life was before and what your life was, has been like after you've met him? And maybe you want to thank him. for what he's done for you and thank him for his sacrifice that because of that you can have forgiveness of sin Father as we take of this bread it's symbolic of your body that was broken for us. Father, today, may we be just reminded of your love, that you're an unfailing God, that you're faithful, and that you love us. Father, we thank you that your word teaches us that no man took your life from you, but you laid your life down willingly for us because you, because you love us. May we be aware of your presence this morning. And because of that, may we renew our commitment to you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you take with me, please? Scripture goes on and says, and Jesus said, in this cup is my blood. The new covenant. Total forgiveness where your sins are are taken away. He said, take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. So it's remembrance that, that our sins are totally and completely forgiven. If you have that sin in your past, if you have that sin in your life that's bringing you guilt and shame, then you are no longer that person. Those are no longer your behaviors. That you have confessed it, you have repented of it, and you are walking in a new life then that sin has no hold on you. And maybe today, if you're rehearsing that event, if you're rehearsing that sin over and over, you'd be set free from that, and you would understand that I am totally and completely forgiven. I am deeply loved by Him. And He forgives iniquity, He forgives rebellion, and He forgives sin. You sit before Him and pray silently to yourself and tell Him thank you for the forgiveness of sin that you have in him. Father, we just thank you because of your blood on the cross that we're totally and completely forgiven. Father, would you just release us from any sin that is haunting us or, or has a hold in our life of the past that is no longer us. We've confessed it. We've repented so that we can live in freedom without guilt and shame. Father, may we understand what you have done for us today. As we take of this juice, which is symbolic of your blood, may it just simply be a reminder to us of what you have done for us on the cross and what it means to us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Would you take with me, please?